Welcome to the Thrive Today podcast. I'm Natalie Bourne. I'm the media host for Thrive Today, and I'm the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership. Our primary goal at Thrive Today is to help you identify the authority of God's word and connect it with the relevance of your success at work. Well, guys, today I'm really excited for you to talk to Pastor Dennis Rouse. He is the author, he's a mentor, he's also the founding pastor of Victory Church in Norcross, Georgia. Along with his wife, Colleen Rouse, who's also the founder of Thrive Today, he founded Victory Church in 1989. Victory has been known as one of America's most diverse churches, probably in the world, and it has 145 nations, and there's over 17,000 that attend Victory each week, whether online or at their campuses across Atlanta. Welcome to the podcast, Pastor Dennis. Well, thank you. It's glad to be here. Well, I'm really excited to let our listeners have access to you today to talk a little bit about Thrive Today, but I'd first like to let them get to know you a little bit better. So I would love if you would just share a little bit about your background, your journey, and maybe even some of the projects that you've worked on recently with your writing and and things like that. Sure. I'd be glad to. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, allowing me to participate in this podcast, but also I just want to say I'm thrilled about what Thrive Today is doing for women, because it's something that's so unusual and new for uh, women leaders, and I'm really excited for that. A little background, my wife and I, we've been married for 38 years. I got married in 1983, so we've been married for a while. And when we started the church, uh, right at the beginning of 1990, actually, uh, with six people, and have been there for 31 years, recently transitioned into a new role as uh, founding pastors, but also kind of moving more into uh, areas of developing leaders, uh, not only locally, but around the world. And Colleen and I have always had a heart for leaders. We believe that everything rises and falls on leadership. And I think this nuance of women leaders, the, the newness of that is exciting for us because we really see a niche that's not being filled in the world. And we see a a kind of a new thing happening in women leaders across the globe, both inside and outside the business world and even inside the church world. And so this is something that's kind of new for us, but it's exciting for us. And so we're just really looking forward to uh, seeing what we can do to help further that along. I love that. And, you know, I think about the 30 years that you've led Victory and all the things that you've done in that capacity, I'm sure that over that time, you've just held fast to some core leadership principles that have become just part of who you are. Would you mind sharing a few of those principles that you've just picked up over the years? Well, I think the the biggest thing that I've learned as a leader, and this was something that was taught to me by my, my mentor, John Maxwell, back in the early 90s, is that Whenever you're with someone, whenever you're spending time with someone, whether it's a lunch, whether it's just an interaction, social interaction, whatever, you always try to add value to a person. You, you try to leave them with something that they didn't come into that relationship with. You don't just waste that time with somebody so that when you leave that person, they have something imparted to them that will help them, help them grow, help them be a better person, a better leader or whatever. And that's been sort of our motto. Colleen and I have always felt that whenever we're investing in other people's lives, that we want to make sure that we add value, that there's something of value to them. And over the years of developing a a leadership base in our church, as well as training leaders around the world, what we found is that 
a lot of leaders don't understand that principle. They think of leadership more as from a top-down perspective than I'm coming alongside you to make you better, to increase your abilities and your talents and your skills. And I think this is especially true in the business world. I think a lot of people in the business world are used to working in corporate America where everything kind of moves from the top down and you just sort of follow instructions or follow whatever the leader tells you to do. And it's hard sometimes to collaborate. And the newness of leadership now is moving into more collaboration of leadership so that hear other people's voices. And I think what's really exciting and what I've learned, especially over the last few years, was that uh, women have a place in this that maybe they didn't have before. And a lot of that has to do with people like myself, men, who've kind of uh, limited women in their positions of leadership because we were not taught that growing up how to bring women alongside a man and and lead together or or lead an organization forward. I think when I, I was sitting there thinking through this whole podcast, I was thinking, what is the big issue now? Why have women been held back for so long? And not only in the business world, but in the church world, the family world, everywhere. And really it ties back. And it's not, I hate to use this example because we, we are talking to a lot of people that are in the business world, but a lot of it ties back to religion and the fact that religion, not Christianity, but just religion in general across the world has always had somewhat of a limitation on women. And it has set a culture that passes or transcends into other parts of, of the world, like the business world or the family world. And I think that finally, you're starting to see some leaders realize, you know, we have taken some of the beliefs that we had, the faith that we had in God, and we've misappropriated them in the area of of women. And so that's changing, that's shifting. And I think that one of the keys, and this is so vital for leaders, is you have to be willing to change something in your heart and in your mind that you've held on to for a long period of time. You have to be flexible if something makes more sense, if something seems to be right, even though it maybe it goes against your tradition or something that you grew up with or something that you've always been around. And this is where I think this is the struggle in the world between men and women. I think men have always been in charge and politically, socially, uh, economically, in every area. And now they're starting to realize, wow, how much value have we left on the table with women because we've not encouraged them or educated them or included them in the decision-making process of how to build something or grow something or lead something. And a lot of guys like myself, we were always a little bit afraid to do that because we thought, gosh, how could I, can I serve as a leader underneath a woman leader? And am I, am I humble enough to do that? Am I bright enough to do that? And am I willing to do that? Am I willing to give up what I've always had in order to have something better? And that's the new thing I think that we're discovering in leadership is that finally I see men starting to open up their heart to that in all the arenas, in all the, the arenas that are out there. And I think women are finally, they're kind of stepping in gently because they're not sure how welcome am I in the, in the boardroom or in the corporate setting or wherever. It's not just about being a woman, it's about being a leader. 
And can I lead in that environment? And as I've learned over time, my wife is a perfect example of that. She sat in a a leadership environment where it was predominantly men. And most of the decisions that around the table were discussed about with men. And yet she was in there giving her thoughts and her ideas. And everybody began to realize this is a piece that we've been missing in leadership. This is an element of viewpoint, a style of leadership that we've been missing in our leadership world that now we, we are welcoming. And it's taken a few women like you, like Colleen, others to push through that barrier and open the eyes of some of us stubborn guys <laughs> and allow that to happen. So I think that's one of the biggest things I'm learning about leadership right now is that God is just really wanting leaders to be a little bit more flexible in their learning capacity and their listening capacity to something that that maybe is new in the leadership arena. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I want to unpack a little bit of of what you said there, because I I feel like there's also this thing I want to lean into with your wife sitting around the table full of men. There was something that she was bringing to the table that was a little bit different. Could you talk about her perspective and why it was so unique to have her at that table? Well, perfect example. When you're talking about employees, and let's say you're discussing difficulties with it with your staff or things of that nature, a lot of times a guy will just think cut and dry, we just need to let this person go, or we just need to deal with this real fast. And then you get my wife will come in there and say, Well, this person is a person, and they might have some personal issues that are going on that you're not aware of. And it might start it might be better to start with asking some questions before you just go in there and start giving some direction or correction to find out what is this person really dealing with or going through and maybe the way they're reacting or responding in their role on their job has a lot to do with some of the personal issues that they're dealing with rather than just they're not doing their job or they're they're incompetent or something of that nature and what we've learned is a lot of our really valuable staff members we might have lost if we hadn't had a woman in the room to help check us before we let them go or brought the wrong kind of correction to them at at the wrong time. Yeah. I love that because you're leaning into empathy, introspection, and also just coming to the table. And and sometimes a woman has the ability to see the whole person. And and because we have these water cooler conversations with how is your family doing, we kind of know some of the backstory of what might be going on in their life. And I just, I love how a female perspective can bring that empathy into the room, into the table. Well, you feel Mm-hmm. differently sometimes than a man feels. You feel deeper, a little bit more, like you said, empathy, but also just you're more of a nurturing, uh, natural nurturing person. Mm-hmm. And in a man is not normally function that way. And so what happens is if you bring the two together, I think you get a better mix rather than just one side or the other. I mean, you can have too much about the feelings and too much about the relationship and go the other way. But at the same time, this is something that we've learned. I mean, I've just learned this being around strong women, that there it's possible for a woman to be strong, mm-hmm. confident, great leader, but still feel deeply and compassionately towards people. And with guys, a lot of times, that's not the case. If they're really strong, passionate leader, you know, directive leader, command type of leader, they tend to not have a lot of feelings involved. 
And so a lot of decisions are made about people's lives and their staff and their future that perhaps could have gone a different way had they had maybe a woman in the mix. Wow. That's really good. You know, I think about your, let's go Old Testament and think about our Deborah, and then let's go New Testament and think about Paul with like Phoebe, who he would have considered a deacon in the church, and then Priscilla, who, who was a teacher. You know, one of the things when I'm talking to some women out there, they've said things like, I don't want to bring my leadership to the church because they haven't appreciated it but I can go all out in corporate. And so that's just where I brought my gifts. And that makes me sad to hear. When you think about some of these pillars, when I mentioned those names, those are pillars, honestly, of Christian faith and leaders. When we think about female leaders in the Bible, talk a little bit about like, what's the backstory or the history of why this has been such a point of tension in the church for women who who can lead at the highest levels? All right. So I'm going to give you just a little biblical background that'll help women, whether they're a believer in Christ or not, just just give you some good background on the Bible itself. When the beginning of time comes in the Bible, the genesis of, of the Bible and Adam and Eve sin, the, one of the things, the, the curse that was placed upon the woman was it says the man will rule over you. That was part of the curse. And the curse transcended. If you read through the Old Testament, you just see how women were treated, how basically they were thought about. Very similar a lot of times to what you see in the Middle East today, where a man could have several wives, but a woman could only have one husband. She was not treated equally. And this was part of the curse. And the beauty of the New Testament is we see Jesus coming to redeem us from the curse uh, that's on the earth. And part of that redemption, if you see him operating through the earth is how he responds to women and especially women who maybe were not highly thought of in society, women who had gone South with their morals and things of that nature and how he would elevate the very value of that woman over what she did immorally in her life. When Paul comes on the scene and starts writing scripture about women in the church, he's writing from a cultural context where women were very limited in their education, limited in their abilities to function in any form of a leadership role in any capacity. And they were suddenly feeling this liberation in the New Testament through Christ. And so they were getting, they were excited in church. They would start asking questions as women will do when they start learning, they have value and they have opportunity. And Paul was, he would write a few scriptures that was sort of try to correct that so that they could go on with the church service and not just be about answering questions all the time. That turned into an an entire theology in the church that women were not allowed to speak in the church. They had to ask their husbands at home, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of redirected women again, once again, to a subservient position, even in the church itself, which then transcended down into the, to their jobs, to their, whatever they did in their daily life. Well, you look at society today, I mean, we are just now coming out of an era where women were not allowed to vote, were certainly treated unequally. The only reason women got a place in the workforce to the point that it has today was because of the world wars, which forced women into work because they didn't have enough laborers to do all the jobs that were necessary. Women began to do the jobs that men didn't want to do or weren't willing to do 
to make our nation able to fight in the wars. That started a whole different ballgame for women. Now, of course, you know, over time, as time has evolved, we see that it has developed quite a bit in the corporate world and in the business world where women are freer to serve in leadership positions. And the church is about 20 years behind that on a regular basis. So we've been trying our best as, as leaders in the church to not let that happen in our church and certainly not in our leadership environments. And so <laughs> it's a perfect example wherever I go to talk about leadership, especially in third world countries where I'm talking to men and women, I'm always trying to elevate women and make men understand their value. And it goes over differently if, if, if they have a history where they've always been in charge. So it's something we have to, we're still working to break through. Wow. That's powerful. And I think that history is really interesting because we know this, right? People throughout time have taken just a couple of scriptures out of context and made an entire theology about it. And I'm going to quote your wife here. I just want to do what I see Jesus doing, right? So when we think about Jesus and when he walked on the earth, he confided in women, he cared for women, he, you know, women were part of his ministry. And so when we see that and you take that in context of the whole book, it really helps you to have a broader aspect of, of what those scriptures mean and put those scriptures within the context that they were important for. And so I just love that history lesson and, and taking us through that so we can we can really think about that. Because I think in some ways, if maybe has, someone hasn't spoken over you and limited you, sometimes when you might read over that scripture, you then limit yourself. And so exactly. I just love broadening that. Yeah. And I think that unfortunately, there's not been enough leadership teaching in the church to debunk a lot of that, to correct that. It's kind of been for guys who, who've been used to leading for many, many years, decades, it's hard for them to give up the power and authority that they've had for so many years. It's the same thing that happens across the board, same thing that happens between the black and white community, any group that's been oppressed by another group. There's always this tension and battle of re, you know, regrouping how we handle that relationship and and rebalancing of power in that relationship. And I think we're going through that in various different areas in our country right now. You always have the extremes to one side or the other. And that's why I really believe the Bible has a lot to help us navigate those things in a godly way instead of a, you know, instead of a forceful or, you know, kind of a way that makes the other side stand against us. And so I'm excited because I see the potential for women, both in the marketplace and in the church world, like I've never seen it before. Like I've never seen it in my lifetime. And it's taken me a while. So I know it's taken me a while to get there. It's certainly taken people that I have, you know, been shut down to it. It's going to take a little bit longer, but I'm thankful for people like my wife who are willing to, who are willing to stand up to people like me and say, look, I love you, but you got to include me in in this process. And so that's what's happening. I believe it's happening in a really rapid way in the business world, especially. Yeah. Well, I see you and your wife as forerunners in the church world for this. And you, you have been for 30 years on the racial conversation. You guys yeah. were doing things in that capacity that people weren't even imagining. And, and even I think about you know, earlier this year and last year, when some pastors tried to speak on it for the very first time, 
they unfortunately got it wrong because it was the first time they were ever having yeah. having that conversation. But you guys have been talking about this for 30 years. And so in that, you've been a forerunner in the racial divide that's happened, the racial tension in America, and also, honestly, in female leadership within within the church setting as well. Yeah. I've always been, I, I don't know why God did this in my heart, but I've always been champion of the underdog. Whoever's being treated unfairly or unjustly uh, in any way, I want to try to rectify that in some way. And God does things like that in people's hearts. He, he, he wants to bring a balance of power and equality that sometimes we resist. And so, yeah, we've always been about obviously the racial thing. And, and we, we still are big proponents of working through all the tensions that are out there right now. And the very few leaders that I know in our church world are very versed in that. They haven't, they've been very comfortable with the way things have been. And now that there's all this uproar in society, it's, it's finally got their attention. But like you said, a lot of them don't know what to say or how to say it. And so they just avoid it at all costs because they don't want to Get, they don't want to get skewered over the social media for saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. But I think it takes uh, leadership in the, to fill the void there and just say, you know, I'm going to speak truth and love. I'm going to say what needs to be said in a way that hopefully people can receive it, but recognizing that not everybody's in a place that can hear this right now. And I think this is true between the races. I think it's true between men and women. I think there's you know, one of the sad things for me is just the objectification of women that continues to increase. And even the liberal world that is so about women's rights, promoting those kinds of things. And where a guy, a young guy doesn't have a chance, he grows up with the wrong image of women just because of the internet. And this transcends into the way he treats women in, in general, in the way that's why the Me Too movement came along. That's why a lot of these things are coming out in the open because so many women have been silent and quiet as they've been mistreated privately and abused privately. And now it's all starting to come out and, <laughs> and this has been going on forever and ever. And we kind of always knew that was the case, but nobody wanted to touch it because it's, it's like, wow, that's just a big explosive topic that can just continue to get bigger. Yeah. And for me, I just feel wow, you know, if you're a woman and you've been through some things like that, where you've been harassed, sexually harassed on your job, or you've been through some tr trouble like that, or just oppressed because you've been objectified as a woman by a man. And now you have to somehow still sit at the table with these guys and do business and not explode with frustration. I mean, that's a challenge. And I feel like, you know, what I'm hoping that Thrive Today is going to do is empower women and bring value back to women and show them that your power is not in your sexuality. Your power is not in the way you look. Your power is in how valuable you are because of who God created you to be. And once women get that right in their identity, then a lot of things begin to shift, I think, inside their hearts and how they, how they approach life. What you said there is so powerful. And I've said across from a lot of those women who have told me the stories of things that they've had to deal with at work. And the Me Too movement brought a lot of awareness. But to your point, there are still some that's, that sit right underneath that radar and say, hey, if I say anything, right, 
the stigma that's going to be thought of of me as X, Y, and Z. And so I just appreciate the fact that you're even raising some of the issues, the big gritty issues, right, that we face in corporate America or in church world and just pulling them out. I kind of call it like the elephant, right? Like we just put the elephant in the middle of the floor, paint it red. Let's talk about it. And that's what I love about the Thrive Today platform is that we do that frequently. Yeah, I was, you know, I watched something today that broke my heart. It was a video of what was going on over in Afghanistan. And there was this video of the Taliban beating a woman in the middle of a circle. I saw that. And and, uh, she had had a conversation with a boy, you know, and this is inappropriate according to their custom and their religion. Again, this is extreme, obviously. But it, it, it just reminded me that, that now that we've made these big major changes in Afghanistan, this is going to be the case for thousands and thousands of women going forward unless somebody steps into this and says enough is enough, you know, and rescues these women. And I think that that image, while it certainly angers people, sometimes we just think, oh, that's another part of the world. That's not part of my life. I don't need to think about that. That is just the reality of the world in general. I, I just want, I just want God to stir stir people's hearts about these kinds of things because this is something. It's not just about working. I mean, there's just a there's just a world out there that needs an intervention right now of just social decency. Yes. And I think those of us who are who have leadership platforms, whether we're male or female, we need to speak up about those things and not be intimidated by what somebody might think about us or somebody might say about that. Yeah. I have a person that listens to the other podcast that I do from Iran and he actually messaged me on a back channel and was really upset about what was going on in Afghanistan and asked me point blank, what are you going to do about it? And it's interesting because so often we, you know, I'm like, well, I don't have this major platform. I'm not humanitarian we can feel really overwhelmed by what are we going to do about it? But I do think talking about it, praying about it, bringing awareness to what's happening and having the conversation. So I told him, I said, I'll get on the phone. I'll talk to some people. I'll see what I can do. But, but it's that idea that, you know, we all can sit back and watch those videos and feel very helpless, or we can lean in and say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, to make phone calls. I'm going to have the conversation. And I even think about Malala Yusuf, who, you know, she went head to head with the Taliban, was shot, recovered, and is now, you know, somebody that brings awareness to women's rights all around the world. And so I'm just, I know that this time in Afghanistan is hard, and I can't even begin to put words to all that the Afghan people are facing. But my prayer in the season has been that, that many Malalas would rise up through this, not that they have to be shot, but that they would take a stand and really speak into this next generation and and there's a lot that has to happen in that region. But, you know, we're wrong if we feel we don't have a voice in, in what's happening over there because I well, believe we do. Here's the thing, you know, having traveled pretty much around the world, spoken in leadership environments around the world, not just church environments, but business environments, political environments. We just came back from the Dominican where we were speaking to leaders in every all the spheres of influence, the business arena, the government arena, met the president met the mayor of Santa Domingo, who was a woman and a very strong, believing woman and very probably will be the next president of the Dominican Republic. And just knowing that in every nation, 
at the core of its problems is always the leadership of the nation in every nation. And I would include our own. And if you don't change the leadership and the way the leaders function and how they think and how they lead, you don't change society. You don't change it. It doesn't change from the bottom up. I know this sounds crazy, but it changes from the top down. And the bottom up will cause revolution and they'll, you know, they'll protest and they'll do all these things. But it's until you get the attention of the top group, you don't get change. And so when you go to any of these nations in the Middle East, whether they're whatever nation in any part of the world, whenever you see poverty, whenever you see tragedy, mistreatment of women, any of those kind of things, you can always take it right to the top. That's where it's, that's where it starts. That's where it originated. And that's where it's held on to unless there's a change at the top. The only way you see a nation change or a culture change is you see the leadership change. And so we can make a difference by using our influence whenever God gives us those influence, influential areas, like whether it is a woman in business, man in business, they can go and speak into those arenas and say, here's where we need to change. These are some things that we need to change about how we handle people, how we think about people. And when you change people like that at the top, you change an entire environment. You change all the whole nation. Wow. So I have hope. Yeah. I have hope. I know that <laughs> there's a battle for that kind of change because it's a power thing. It's always a power thing. And guys are so afraid. We're so afraid of you ladies taking over. <laughs> and, you know, we shouldn't be, but we are. And, you know, I'm a man's man. I don't, I grew up with a very strong mother who showed me what a long, strong leader could be. And in some ways it was good. In some ways it was bad because it made me make these inner vows. I'll never let a woman control me like that again. But then I realized that's not biblical at all. It's just, I need to appreciate the gifts that are in you and allow those gifts to blend with my gifts instead of being thinking of them as competition. That's so powerful. I would love, just as our final thought with our our listeners today, if you would just lean into just some encouragement for them. They're leading, you know, the highest levels in church and in in the workplace and you know the corporate setting. Just what would you infuse into them in terms of just encouragement and inspiration and, and leadership in this season? So, I'll, let me just say this, and I've watched my wife model this, and I think this is so important for all the women that are in leadership positions, whether it's in the business world, in the church world, even in their family. One of the sad things that I've watched happen, and we know this, this is true in marriage, is that when you are trying to make a point or you're trying to make a statement about something and you're not feeling heard, the tendency is to get louder and more aggressive. And all that tends to do for most men is it just makes them pull back and defend themselves and polarize. And it becomes an us against them kind of a position. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath or lowers the wrath. And what I'm finding is that there's a biblical passage where Paul, Peter writes this, he says, even though when a man is not doing the right thing, he's not obeying the Lord, says you win him over through a meek and gentle spirit. And that is such a powerful truth that I've found works. I I tried to tell my wife this. I said, listen, when you're really strong about something and we're having an an argument or fight or we're trying to 
We're vying for power. If you come at me with a meekness and a, and a softness and not a hardness, you don't have to try to be a man to get me to understand you. What you have to do is just come at me with, with God's love and honor in a way. It's kind of like I, I said this to my daughter years ago. She was saying, Dad, if I, you do something wrong, how can I ever correct you? And I said, you're right. I've never given you the license to correct me because you're my daughter. I said, so listen, from this point on, you have the right to bring correction in an honoring way, not in a dishonoring way or disrespectful way, but an honoring way. And my pledge to you is to listen to you and hear you out. I may not always agree with you, but if we have that kind of a dialogue, we're going to get a lot further than you're trying to force your way in your opinions, your thoughts, and, and try, and you're kind of try to become like a man in your aggressiveness, which then turns me off and makes me polarize. And so I just say this to women because I know sometimes you feel like, man, I just got to be aggressive to get, to get something done here in this world. And, and I'm not saying you're not aggressive as a leader and passionate as a leader. It's just that there is an element of God in you, the softness of God, the femininity of God that you don't want to lose in your leadership because it's what really separates you. It's what brings you the uniqueness that you are. And you're not competing with men. You are who you are. You're God's created valuable uh, asset to whatever job you are in and everything. And so I think that if you can operate like that and function like that, I'm just telling you, God will use that in whatever you're, you're trying to do in your leadership world. So let me just encourage you in that right now. I can attest to the truth of this. My husband actually tells me this all the time. He's like, if people <laughs> just come at me in a way where I can listen to you receive yeah. and not feel like I have to save face, then you'll get so much further with me. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we do have our pride and, and unfortunately, and it starts to rise up in us. If we feel, feel like we're being challenged in areas that we are feeling justified. But yes, uh, again, let me just say this to all the women out there. God has created you uniquely with the gifts that he's placed inside of you. And all of you have the capacity to lead something. And if you use the influence you have in a godly way, in a positive way, there's no limit, no limit to what God can do in you and through you, in your profession, in your family, even in your church. And so I just pray that this is, uh, this is something you'll take from this, this little podcast and, and use it and let it be a blessing to you. Well, I love what you said. And I thank you so much for spending time with us today, Pastor Dennis. Sure. It's always a joy and a pleasure. And you always add value uh, to us when you spend time with us. So thank you for your time today. Thank you very much, Natalie. Well, thank you for joining us for the Thrive Today podcast. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and share on your social media platforms and tell other women in leadership about this podcast. You can follow Pastor Dennis Rouse on Instagram at Dennis B. Rouse. And just remember, as you build your life, establish a legacy of leadership, community, and strength. We'll see you next time.